Hello, welcome into the Daily Blues podcast on 101ESPN.com. My name is Dan Betlock with you. Coming off of an impressive victory over the Colorado Avalanche are the St. Louis Blues. Another come-from-behind victory. Down three goals Saturday, down two, down one goal last night, and then scored four unanswered goals to bust by the Avalanche and retain the top spot in the Central Division. Let's hear how that happened. Thomas Steen and Bozak. On the ice, Blues win the draw. Thomas picks it up. Same play they scored last game. He wraps it around and on, and a save made by Grubauer. The puck coming out. Point, but can't hold it in as Bowmeister wasn't quite there, and now it's Pareko dumping it in. Pareko gets checked into the linesman by Nachushkin. Over on the far side, McKechn. Woo, he went flying in. The Blues get it to Shen. Down low to Kairou. He's hooked. And the penalty coming back. Kairou couldn't catch it clean. Nice check by Colton Pareko. The puck supported by De La Rose. Cleared out to center. Sanford couldn't control it. And it's sent right back into McKinnon. He shoots it on. Toe save made by Bennington for his first save of the hockey Joseph, game. And he'll get it on Here's the Mark spin back down the left wing with O'Reilly in front of him. And the puck goes down. Bortuzzo with a big boomer of a hit. He absolutely leveled Jost who turned right into Roberts' check. And the puck grabbed back by the Blues. They'll clear it out. Blues are making sure that Colorado knows people are going to get hit tonight. Oh, baby, like a fly swatted right against the glass. Robert Bortuzzo just took him down. Puts it in behind the net for Braden Shen. Trying to cut it back on Girard. Shen gets the puck to Bortuzzo, and he shoots it. A save made by the goalie. The puck came up in the air right back down. Toe drag, Bortuzzo put another one on. And Grubauer will make his 10th save of the period with six minutes to go. He'll go up ice for David Perron entering the zone. Perron, great shielding of the puck. Gets it to O'Reilly. And O'Reilly on his forehand to Perron. They score! Wow! David Perron puts it in behind Grubauer. Three great plays led to that goal just inside the blue line. And the Blues have a one of the lead, 109 to play in the first period. Well, where do you begin? I mean, David Perron's holding on to the puck at the blue line. He shields it with one hand on his stick perfectly. Then he gets support from Ryan O'Reilly. He misses the original one, sticks with it on that far side. And then the vision, we've said it before, occurs with these two, just like peas and carrots, the chemistry between Perron and O'Reilly catches him on the back door. Grubauer didn't even move. What a goal. Again, the way he's playing, the way he's so shifty, stops on a dime. Credible. Avalanche bring it in, shoot and score. They left Kadri all alone on the near wing, and that's a mistake. Kadri ties the game for the Avalanche. Another early period goal scored against the Blues. Well, Braden Shen, man-on-man, uh, -man, defensive zone coverage. Kadri and Braden Shen are centermen. Kadri snaps it back. Braden Shen just kind of gets lost. Breakaway, but what an incredible depth for Jordan Bennington on that breakaway. Come way out. Doesn't give him anything. Quick shot on. Save made. Rebound loose. Nieto couldn't put it in. Tied up nicely by Bertuzzo. And then Bennington will get the puck covered up at the side of the net. Sanford put on this line now with De La Rosa and McEachern. Down low, digging after it and getting knocked down. That's ranted in by Dunn. And now the puck controlled by Burakovsky. Onto his forehand to the goal. What a save by Bennington through traffic. Over out of the corner to David Perron. He works uh, it loose. 
Retrieved by O'Reilly. Down low to Sundquist. Backhand, forehand. O'Reilly got the puck off. Sundquist shot it on. Grubauer the save. Blues to the blue line and a good stick by McKinnon. Knocked it away. Well, heck of a play again by O'Reilly. Eyes in the back of his head. Sees Sundquist in front. This puck, it must have been spinning because Sundquist just could not corral it. Quick pressure by De La Rose, but McKinnon spins off him. Stick handles down low. Comes out high. Ranton in a shot. They score. Inside the far post on a one-timer. And the Blues trail the Avalanche 2-1 as the Blues give up a power play goal to Colorado with 10.25 to go in the second period. Yeah, Jordan Bennington never slid over properly. Curves. They retrieved the puck on an Emory, Missouri power play to Schwartz on the near side. Through to Petrangelo. Not a Perron. One-timer on, and what a save by Grubauer. Didn't give up a rebound as Shen was drooling on the doorstep. Trailing 2-1 to one on the power play. Kadri in the box, double minor for high sticking. Nieto ties up Perron. Schwartz gets in to help out, and it comes to Petrangelo. Not a Perron in the circle. Shoot, score! He did it again. A laser under the bar. And a no-look shot as he dragged it into that wheelhouse. Perron ties the game at two with a power play goal. 113 to play in the period. Brings the puck up ice. 47 seconds to go in the period. Pass to Sundquist as they go to enter the zone. Again, this is not a very good penalty kill for Colorado. Dunn, far wing, back to Dunn. They score! They've got the lead! They roared back again! Vince Dunn, a power play goal, and the St. Louis Blues have a 3-2 lead with 36 seconds to go in a period. And a period dominated mostly by Colorado. The Blues are on top. Now reaching for it, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be there at the line to help hold it in, and they do to David Perron. Perron going to O'Reilly, and he lifted it over the goal, and the puck deflects out of play. Ryan O'Reilly still bidding for his first goal on home ice this season, and it's home game number 18 with a pair of goals done. The other one. Avalanche get to it, shoot it on, and Bennington got a piece of it with the glove. It went to the corner. Sundquist will clear it out. O'Reilly. Going back to Sunquist, Swats it in behind the net around to the near side. Here's Perron to Sunquist, Centers to O'Reilly. Right back to Sunquist. They bounce it just wide of the goal. And the Avalanche come out of the near corner with it. Clear the puck to center ice. Man, the Blues are peppering group hour right now. Here's Sunquist over the line. Drops it off to Falk. Fired and a save made by Grubauer. Or that guy, Grubauer. <laughs> Out to Mackenzie McEachern. Right back to Bortuzzo, but it, he's got to reach for it, and it goes to Dunn. Keeps it moving far side. Zadorov got to it, but it's cleared out. 8.42 and counting. It's turned over to Cairo with a head of steam. Wrap around. He scores! Jordan Cairo burned the avalanche with speed around the net. A wraparound goal for his first of the year. And he gives the Blues a 4-2 lead. 8.36 to play. Period number three. Extra man on for Colorado. They shoot it on. Bennington makes the save. O'Reilly gets tripped. Here's Sundquist to Perron for the hat trick. He's got it. He scores. If you've got a hat, chuck it in your radio. And on a snowy night, you might as well make it a toque. 3.55 to go. The St. Louis Blues have scored. David Perron, his fifth career hat trick. And it's 5-2 Blues. Avalanche over the line. 25 seconds to go. Blues making a statement. 5-2 lead. Slapper wide of the goal. Angles to the line. Cole kept it in. Calvert 
Into the middle, Nieto shoots. That one's wide. 14 seconds remaining. Donkoy's shot gets blocked. And this one's pulled away by Dunn. Eight seconds to go. Into the far corner to Bortuzzo. Back to Dunn. And that'll do it. Bring out the Zamboni. Another come from behind win. A hat trick for David Perron. The 21st win of the year. And the St. Louis Blues stay in first place in the Central Division. Ryan O'Reilly kind enough to throw the headsets on down at ice level. And Ryan, congratulations on the victory. Hopefully you can hear us. I know it's loud down there, but I got you. Boy, what has clicked yet again this year with you and David Perron? Well, you know, obviously we spend a lot of time in practice working together, but uh, we read off each other very well. As you can see tonight, uh, you know, when we're forechecking hard and we're, you know, trying to outwork the line against, we get the puck back and then we just play quick. You know, we find the open areas and, you know, it seems to be uh, seems to be working. That pass that you made to him, it looked like you saw him ahead of time because you weren't really looking at him when you threw it there, were you? No, it was a great play by him. You kind of see how, you know, instead of going and just standing in front there, you know, he kind of kind of gets lost there back door. And then for me, I'm just trying to handle the puck and see what's available. And he just kind of gets in that perfect spot where that's a it's a really tough play for the defense to cover him. Ryan, the kill in the second period when it was 2-1 to one Colorado, then you guys go on the power play for four minutes there. To me, that's what swung the game. Was there anything different in the approach to how you guys approach that four-minute power play? Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously we got a big kill before there early, which was good, and then getting on the power play, it was just, you know, let's outwork them. Let's outwork them, get our looks, and go from there. And, you know, when we do that, you know, it's effective. You know, you can see, uh, you know, we get two goals and kind of gives us that spark and obviously took control of the game then. Well, Ryan, congratulations on the win. Thank you very much for giving us a couple moments. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. Yeah, Thanks, Ryan. Is Ryan O'Reilly, and you can hear the kids yelling, Ryan, Ryan! Last night at Enterprise Center, a game lived right up to its billing. The St. Louis Blues, though, skate away to a 5-2 win in a battle between the top two teams in the Central Division. The Blues get the hat trick from David Perron and goals from Cairo, his first of the year, and Vince Dunn. It was two power plays late in the second that helped the Blues to their 13th Come from behind win. Perron picking up his fifth career hat trick. And Joe Vitale, a statement game for the Blues who have gone 3-0 now on this homestand. A statement indeed, Curbs. You know, to me, the statement last night was they looked at Colorado, one of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League, and the Blues said to them, we're still the Stanley Cup champions. What a performance last night from everyone across the board uh, for the St. Louis Blues. I really believe the kill in the second period when the Blues were down by one, the kill off that power play, then the Blues go to work on the power play right there on the other side. Four-minute major right there for Kadri. The Blues scored two power play goals. A power play that's been struggling up to this moment. That was the spark to David Perron. Hat-trick in the third. Got the people on their feet. What a crowd throughout the snow last night. The Blues just continue to roll through this homestand. Now the Blues get the victory. They're 21-8-6. They're 48 points. Right now has them atop the Central Division and still atop the Western Conference as uh, they continue to battle. And, hey, that's all important because that could mean Craig Berube very soon here if the Blues can keep this up through the end of December and find a way to lead the Western Conference. He'll be a head coach of the All-Star team for this division inside Enterprise Center later on in January. What a moment that could be like for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us. For Joe, I'm Chris on the St. Louis Blues Radio Network. Great victory for the Blues last night. Appreciate Curbs enjoying the recap. Ryan O'Reilly, of course, joining there as well right after the game last night. As the Blues move on, they welcome in the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night to the Enterprise Center. So another tough Western Conference team coming into the old barn at Clark. 
course, the news of the day yesterday was Taylor Hall and him being dealt to the Arizona Coyotes. Bernie Miklas had Jeremy Rutherford on to talk about last night's game and, of course, just how deeply involved the Blues were in the Taylor Hall mix. And that's where Bernie led off this morning with Jeremy Rutherford. How deeply involved do you think the Blues were in trade talks with New Jersey for Taylor Hall before he was uh, shipped to Arizona? Well, I believe they were uh, in the mix, and uh, we wrote that. But I think, uh, you know, that's a word that has a lot of definition, Bernie, uh, in the mix. I I think that uh, Doug Armstrong picked up the phone and called Ray Shero and and tried to figure out what it would take to to get Taylor Hall. Uh, But as you know, there were four, five, six teams in the mix. And whenever you're in those situations, uh, you know, the price can get pretty steep. Did the Blues make an official offer? We don't have any confirmation of that. But as you know, how those conversations work, sometimes it's not an official offer. Sometimes it's just Doug Armstrong feeling out what Ray Shero was looking for. And if he says, hey, we'd like to start out with a, a Costin or a Cairo, and Doug says that's uh, you know, a non-starter, you know, then they move on. If Doug uh, throws out, uh, hey, and I'm not saying Doug Armstrong wanted to do this, but if he says uh, we'd like to move uh, the backup goaltender Jake Allen and, and Ray says they're not interested, uh, then they move on. So the impression that I got was that the Blues were interested, uh, but once they knew what the price was, then they backed off. And I think it was a situation like we've seen so many other times with Doug Armstrong where he just tells the other GM, hey, circle back to us if, if you don't have anything. And uh, he ended up getting what he wanted, uh, Ray Sherrill. And I was going to ask you about that because you can definitely enlighten me. I'm not going to be a phony here and pretend that I know uh, what kind of value New Jersey got in exchange from uh, Arizona. So what is your number one, what's your feeling, but your opinion on that, but number number two, just the general feeling around the league, did uh, did New Jersey get enough for Taylor Hall? I think the initial reaction is no. When you look at the, the set of prospects they got, the, the three of them, uh, you know, they've been described as uh, tweeners, uh, been described as guys who uh, might play in your bottom six, and a guy, a big guy on defense who might uh, one day help out uh, the defense of uh, the New Jersey Devils. But if you look at the picks, you get the first rounder, and that's kind of like all uh, how all deals start out uh, when you're dealing for a rental. You're going to get a first round pick, and uh, and New Jersey got that. But they also get a conditional pick, and it starts out as a third rounder. But if Phoenix wins a playoff round and they re-sign Taylor Hall, which is possible, Phoenix is capable of of getting into the playoffs and and winning a round, and they're certainly capable of of keeping uh, Taylor Hall, that goes to a first-round pick. So now you're talking about two first-round picks uh, for Taylor Hall plus the prospects. And so we don't know what's going to happen with the prospects. Uh, The scouts right now kind of look at that group of players and and, and say that, hey, it's it's probably not enough, but I think it's all going to come down uh, to what happens with those picks. Jared, this is way too soon. I almost feel ashamed to ask you the question, but... Uh, Doug Armstrong uh, is never uh, reticent to make deals if he thinks it's right. Now, he didn't make any deals at the deadline, really, to speak of uh, last year, even was, yeah, even the year before, I guess. Yeah, even the year before. But as far as adding players. Um, but if you were to identify a need, do the Blues have any glaring needs, in your opinion? I mean, this is assuming that. Uh, they'll get Sammy Blay back. I know Tarasenko, that's that's one that's off the table because we don't know when he'll be back, and maybe he won't be back. It's just hard to say. But do you, in your view, do they have a need? 
to me, it's just a question about that top six, and it's when Sammy Blay comes back, can he you know, go back to being the player that he was uh, pre-wrist surgery? And I know you said that uh, Tarasenko is off the table, uh, but uh, the Blues look like they're uh, you know, going to clear into the playoffs. And then can he be ready for the playoffs, and, and what's he going to look like? So uh, to me, the bottom six is shaping up pretty well. You've got some depth there. You've got some players uh, like a McEachern, like a Barbashev when he's healthy. Uh, even a De La Rose is coming around uh, that you feel pretty good about that bottom six. Uh, the defense, I like. It looks like Falk's uh, starting to come into his own a little bit uh, for the Blues. And, of course, you like the goaltending. So, Bernie, uh, to me, finishing, scoring, power play, those are the things that uh, face this team right now. And uh, you, you understand why, because they're missing a few of those guys that we just talked about. To me, it's going to be when those guys come back from injury, how are they going to look and how soon can they get ready for the playoffs? What, you, what did you think of, uh, or what do you think in general of Jordan Kyrou so far, but also that goal last night, which still has people buzzing? <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, first of all, Jordan Kyrou, first couple games, I thought he got better his, his second game. That's to be uh, expected. I thought last night, losing some of those puck battles, and I think that's what leads uh, Craig Bruby to knock him down to the fourth line uh, mid-game. It's a tight game against the you know, Western Conference uh, you know, opponent there, and, and so he's done that a lot. Moved guys down, especially younger guys. Didn't play him a whole heck of a lot, and what does Jordan Kyrou do? He gets down to the fourth line, and he says, watch this, and uh, that's the speed that we've been talking about for two or three years now with Jordan Cairo. I got a lot of t- tweets last night, Bernie, uh, people saying, oh, okay, you know, those are the afterburners that we've been hearing about for a couple years. And what a goal. You know, Zadaroff coughs it up. And, and the instincts of Jordan Cairo, Bernie, I don't know if you heard, but after the game, he said that he heard somebody yell cross ice. So he jumped in the middle of the ice to pick off that pass. And, uh, and then he beats Zadaroff back to uh, the other side of the net. Uh, you know, if he can put it together in terms of the little things of the game and and, and being able to get Craig Kirby to trust him uh, in those situations, uh, he's going to be a great uh, you know ad for the Blues just because he brings a different element that they don't have. Jr. Uh, I guess we're like-minded individuals in our ability to uh, spot the obvious. I'm just uh, see, I'm taking a shot at both of us, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed your piece at the Athletic uh, about David Perron. I've talked about him a couple times today. He's really having a whale of a season. In fact, as many points as Alexander Ovechkin right now, and only one point uh, fewer than uh, Nikita Kucherov at Tampa Bay. So um, you wrote at The Athletic he deserves to be an all-star. I I agree, but uh, state your case, my man. Yeah, he's just playing the best hockey of his career. Absolute best hockey. And the Blues, uh, as the host city, uh, everybody knows you often get more selections than the other teams. The Blues have been lucky to get one guy on the All-Star team the past uh, few years, especially since they went to these new rosters uh, within the division. Uh, The Blues are going to get three, I would think. They could get four. And David Perron has to be right there at the top of the list. Uh, To me, the other guy is Alex Petrangelo. Uh, But David Perron, you look at uh, he leads the, the team in goals with 15. He leads the team in points with 33. And these are not just uh, points where the Blues are winning 4-1 to one and he tacked on a goal. These are some meaningful goals. Uh, he steps up at the right time. And, you know, the first thing out of Petrangelo's mouth and Craig Bruby uh, last night when we asked them about David Perron is they said he is just doing everything to set himself up uh, later in the play. You see that power play goal from the, the dot? Well, he's over there along the board winning a puck battle. Uh, gets it back uh, to Petrangelo 
Petrangelo at the top and then sets up the shot from David Perron. And one other thing, Bernie, is the fact that he just continues to evolve with the game. Here's a veteran guy, and he says, I'm going to learn some things from these younger guys, Austin Matthews, uh, Patrick Laine. He changes the flex on his stick, and now this is one of the best shots in the league right now. So to me, hands down, stating the obvious, like you said, uh, David Perron is definitely a Blues All-Star. One other question for you, then I want to pay you a compliment. Let's get to the question first. Um, Justin Falk seems to be finding himself now, seems to be getting comfortable. and It's sort of been a build-up rather than one moment or one game. Tell us what you're seeing with him. Yeah, I just think he's getting more comfortable. It's it's easy to say, uh, but uh, you know he comes here and he was shuffled around, and, and uh, the Blues had a situation where they've got seven defensemen at most points. They've all been healthy, and you know Craig Bruby, Doug Armstrong, they like the uh, righty lefty thing a lot, and so let's put. Justin Falk in a situation where maybe he's uh, had to play out of place a little bit. And, and, you know, when I say that, I say on the left side with Petrangelo, he's not familiar with that. And so uh, he was on the power play, then they pulled him off to to get him a little more comfortable with the way things are going. But that goal against Chicago the other night, that's going to be a big boost for uh, his confidence. And then uh, last night I thought he played well, too. So to me, I know it's easy to jump on a guy after 20 games uh, because the Blues made a big trade for him and, and gave him that long-term extension. Uh, but to me, I felt like Justin Falk was going to grow into uh, his uh, surroundings, his environment here. And, and to me, I think we're starting to see that. Good stuff there from JR. Joining Bernie Miklas, Bernie Show, every Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 101 ESPN. Last night on our Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe during the first intermission, Joey Vitale had a chance to get inside the locker room and talk to Alexander Steen, who made his return on Saturday. Steen, a big piece of this team, big piece of the puzzle to this team, that's for sure. They went a little off script, didn't talk too much about hockey. They went really kind of about vacation spots in Italy. So here's Alexander Steen with Joey Vitale. All right, we're here with Alexander Steen on this Cup of Joe. And Alex, I want to first talk about the weather. Cup of Joe. Oh, like you, yeah, you like that? Yeah. They even give me these cups. Oh, nice. Krispy Kreme on one side, Blues logo on the other. You can stuff, yeah. stuff oh, it in your your wife's stocking. Fresh. Appreciate Mom, it. Mom and dad home. Someone will love it, right? Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thank you. Snow day. Yeah. You're a dad. Yeah. How'd you handle yesterday? What'd you do? I mean, what what, what does Alexander Steen do on a snow day? Uh, we took the sled out for a little bit and went for a stroll and caught a few. She's only nine months, so we caught a few minor hills but nothing uh nothing too uh, too crazy but yeah it was nice it's nice to have some snow around the holidays what about inside is there a specific meal that just comes to mind when you think about a snow day where just just comfort uh yeah well now the christmas decorations are up and um all the lights and a little bit of snow had the fire going um you know it's back home in sweden we have something called glug which is uh like a mulled wine and every year they have a new flavor to it this year's called Aloha, so uh, yeah, we got into that a little bit. Had uh, had a glass each, and it was good. Coconut flavored? It's uh, no, it's not coconut flavored. It is. I'd have to check what kind. It's like a white wine, white mulled wine. Okay, so it's good. Hawaiian though. Yeah, that's the theme this year. You ever been to Hawaii? I have. Uh, when I was young, when you very were... young. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you and your wife go on your honeymoon? We went to Italy. What part? We were in, uh, we were down by Napoli and the Amalfi Coast there in Capri, and we had, um, that was, uh, Italy's our favorite spot to visit on holiday, so 
I went there last year. I went to those same islands. What yeah. was your favorite spot? Capri was pretty nice, huh? Yeah, Capri was cool. I, honestly, my favorite part of it was we took a boat. We actually did it twice because we enjoyed it so much the first time. But we just rented a boat and cruised around there and saw the, the coast from the water, both Capri and then uh, the Amalfi Coast and a couple coves and stuff that we were swimming in. And Yeah, it was pretty cool. Did you try to go in that? Is it the Blue Grotto? Did you do that yeah, out there? Blue Grotto. There was, uh, yeah, there's probably five, four or five grottos we hit. And then... There was this lunch spot that was absolutely incredible. It was up on a kind of a cliff, and uh, food was outstanding. If there's one, because you're a, a well-traveled guy, Alex, uh, one place in the world you'd love to go, where would it be? That's, I would have to say Italy. That's our favorite spot. The people are so welcoming and, and relaxed and enjoy showing off their country and their food. And You know, we try and find little hole-in-the-wall places to have some good pasta and you know, they usually break out their own homemade wine and olive oils and everything. And um, yeah, I think we've hit a lot of areas in Italy so far. We I still got to get down to Sicily. And um, but yeah, we did Rome and, and we did Sardinia, the northern part there. So we've uh, we usually rent a car and drive around a little bit too. So it's been good. Are you just saying Italy because you're trying to suck up to me? No, I'm Italian. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm honestly not. I've I've been there. We must have been there five times already. We love it there. I got one spot for you before you go. Okay. Cinque Terre. What's that? Cinque Terre. Been there? Cinque Terre. No. It's like Amalfi, but it's north. No, I haven't. Beautiful. A little nice quieter. A little quieter than Amalfi around the coast. Cliff Towns. Brayden asked if there's good bread there. Come on, Brayden. It's Italy. Yeah. That's the number one thing you get. This bread. Get this guy out of yeah. here. <laughs> that was Alexander Steen on this Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe. Alex, thanks for your time and good luck tonight. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, that was a Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe. You can catch those in the intermissions during our St. Louis Blues broadcast. Rampage are playing today, but last night we had a Rampage report from Brian McCormick, so let's play that for you now just to keep you updated on what's going on with the San Antonio Rampage. The Rampage head out on a four-game road trip prior to the Christmas break, starting Tuesday morning in Rosemont against the Chicago Wolves. The Rampage look to snap a four-game winless skid against a Wolves team they have beaten in two of three meetings this season. The Rampage are 5-2-0 in their last seven visits to Allstate Arena. A Rampage comeback effort fell short in Saturday's 4-2 loss at home to the Manitoba Moose. Austin Paganski and Mike Vecchioni scored in the third period for the Rampage, trimming a 3-0 deficit to 3-2. Vecchioni was inches from scoring the tying goal, but was turned aside by the Acrobatics of Manitoba's Mikhail Burden. Back out to Borgman, left point, right point, Ranky, Rashad deflected in front, and save made by Burden, he dove across. How did that stay out? Mike Vecchioni had a wide open net, Burden came across, he batted it out of the air with the paddle of his stick. The Rampage had a season-high 24 shots in the third period. The San Antonio penalty kill has been a strong point of late, killing off 25 of 27 penalties over the last seven games and climbing to ninth in the league. Head coach Drew Bannister believes his units have made the proper adjustments. I think, you know, the five-on-three itself, we had to work on it a little bit. It seemed like we cleaned it up a little bit in Toronto. Uh, we didn't give up a lot. We kept it to the outside. Uh, but overall, the last couple of weeks, I thought our PK has been a lot better. Uh, they've been working to bed, you know, together a lot better. I think the pressure points have been a lot better. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's your goaltending, you know, that you need to make the big saves. And I think they've been doing that on the PK. The Rampage last faced the Wolves on November 19th, a 5-3 win in which Nathan Walker had two goals in a career-high five points. And Mike Vecchioni posted a four-point night as well. San Antonio sits fourth in the Central Division with 28 points and with six points separating second and eighth place in the division. From Chicago, I'm Brian McCormick. Thanks for tuning in for the Rampage Report. Big thanks to Brian McCormick for that piece of information on the Rampage Report. 
That's going to wrap it up for today's Daily Blues podcast. Remember, folks, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Blues, Oilers tomorrow, late start, 6.30 pregame, 7.30 puck drop from Enterprise Center. Catch it on 101 ESPN. So long on the Daily Blues podcast, Dan Betlock signing off on 101ESPN.com.